This is probably my wife and I's favorite coffee mug that we have in our house. Do you have a variety of coffee mugs or tea mugs or whatever? This one says, I really need a day between Saturday and Sunday. That's come to mean a lot to us. I just got back from vacation uh, yesterday afternoon. We got to take a week and get away with my wife's family, uh, go to the beach and all of that, and we had a great time. I'm so thankful for the Reverend Dr. Burt Neal, who preached last Sunday here, and it was indeed a good message and a good word for you all to hear. I was glad to hear how much you were willing to say back to the preacher, and Bert and I had talked about that uh, before he got here. But one of the things that Kristen and I have discovered about our relationship uh, in this still sort of newly married phase is uh, we've, we've got an issue. <laughs> um, and we, we, it was exacerbated on vacation. Our, our issue is she's a night owl. And I'm an early bird. Anybody? Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you put a night owl and an early bird together? Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens, and what especially happened for us on vacation, was, you know, you want to stay up late with the family because we were there with her parents and her sisters and their um, spouses and children, and you want to catch up and have fun and enjoy each other's company, so you want to stay up late playing cards and things like that. My son is nodding up here. So then you're up till 11, 12. But when you're an early bird and your mind turns on at 5.30 or 6 in the morning and your feet hit the floor and you're going, you put those two together and try to both do that. It makes vacation just a little bit less enjoyable. Um, and so after three, four, five days of that and just, you know, having the freedom of vacation to be able to really live into that, staying up late and getting up early and going down to the beach, um, we had a conversation. <laughs> We're going to do something about this. We are collectively or together burning the candle at both ends. And we can't do that. We can't sustain in that kind of life and that kind of rhythm. And the fact is, we do all have a rhythm by which we live our lives and go through our days and our seasons. And you sort of learn about yourself, hopefully, when are you the most productive in the day or in the week? When do you have the most energy? And when are you the most sluggish and tired? And we all sort of find our rhythms, better yet, and to the point of the message today, when do you rest? That little four-letter word brings us to the matter at hand for the message today, rest. So I want to invite your attention to the screens as I read our scripture for this morning from Exodus chapter 20, and I'm going to read verses 8 through 11. Hear God's word for us today. Remember the Sabbath day and treat it as holy. Six days you may work and do all your tasks 
But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Do not do any work on it. Not you, your sons or daughters, your male or female servants, your animals, or the immigrant who is living with you. Because the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything that is in them in six days, but rested on the seventh day. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In fact, it's one of the Ten Commandments. The the fourth commandment. To keep the Sabbath. These commandments, not just this one, but all of them, are given by God to God's people as a way to help us understand how to order our lives well. How to have a rhythm to how we live that is life-giving, not only for us, but for all of creation. We ignore them at our own peril. In fact, eight of the Ten Commandments are written in the negative sense. Thou shalt not or do not. It's like a way of sort of having the, the boundary lines drawn. But turns us loose inside the sandbox to have fun and, and create and enjoy it. To bless it and be blessed knowing that this is where the end of the sandbox is. And inside of it, we can just have at. And listen, I'm as proud as Lee Greenwood to be an American. But there are places where our culture operates in tension with, if not in opposition to, our Christian faith. And every once in a while, we just have to name that so that we can deal with it. The sermon I preached two weeks ago was about tithing, giving back to God a portion of what we have. And the one this morning is about Sabbath and rest. And I'd say giving and resting are two things about our faith that run contrary to our culture. Because what you do with what you have matters. And that applies not only to money, but also to your most precious resource, your time. And ordering our lives is a little bit about setting priorities. What matters most to us? Which is the idea of the tithe, right? Just the biblical concept that you give one-tenth of everything that you earn and everything you have back to God. Do what you want with the other 90%. Just that tenth belongs to the Lord. And the same is true about the Sabbath. We've got seven days in a week. Do what you want with those other six. But set one of them aside. Do nothing else but be with God and rest. These aren't commandments or calls from God or instructions from God that just set for us where the bare minimum is. And as long as you do that, 
then you're done. You know, as long as, long as you give that 10%, then however you want to do whatever with the rest of that 90 doesn't matter. Or as long as you give God one day, then the other six just, you know, wear it out. It's, it's more about setting a rhythm for our lives and an order for our lives that if we put God in that place, in those places, with what we do, with what we have, if we put God in the proper place there, that has a way of ordering all the rest of it. So that what we do with all the rest of it will be good and right and holy, including what we do with our time. So God said, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. That word Sabbath literally means rest. Would anybody like to just take a couple of deep breaths with me right now? Maybe one more. Rest. We need it. You know, sleep deprivation is a form of torture. (laughs) If you don't feel like you've experienced that personally in your life, talk to any parents who've had young children. Sleep deprivation is a form of torture, and so is Sabbath deprivation. We do it to ourselves and to each other, and inherent in the problem is that we don't slow down or stop long enough to realize it, let alone do anything about it. And I said this, I think this runs contrary to our culture. I mean, Famously, in the U.S., we've got some of the worst corporate policies for leave for employees. We work and work and work. I mean, the French people rioted in the streets when they tried to raise the retirement age two years from 62 to 64. Anxiety, depression, exhaustion are rampant and on the rise among us. We've become addicted to activity and productivity and the medications that come with them. All the while, there exists this call from God, the one who created us and knows us, the call to Sabbath, rest, to order our lives and prioritize our lives that way. It's about care for yourself and for each other, for your family, for the whole created order. When I was in seminary, they, uh, I was assigned a task, well, we were in one of our classes. It was about the spiritual health of the minister was the focus of the class, recognizing that you pour out and you pour out and you pour out, and you got to fill your own cup. So the, the assignment that we were given was to chart how we spend every hour of every day for a month. I don't know if you've ever done anything like that for yourself. It was an interesting exercise. 
I mean, one of the points to it that was made for us by our professor was, if you're not in charge of that calendar, somebody else will be. If you're not ordering your time and your priorities and what you're going to spend your time on and who you'll spend it with, everybody else will gobble it all up. Unless you have a way of saying, this is what I'm going to do when I'm going to do it to the best of your ability. I mean, my line of work comes with some variability there. But it was a way for us to sort of tangibly experience And for me, as somebody who was a finance major, I got to do it in Excel, and that was fun. Um, But to tangibly experience and see what it means to order your life and know where your priorities are. I mean, anybody who, who deals with nature and the rest of the created world knows the same thing, that you have to have rest. Farmers know you have to let the field rest. You can't just grow and grow and grow and take and take and take. Our Department of Natural Resources know we got to set limits on how many fish you can take out of the water and what size they can be. You can't just keep taxing the population. We'll wipe it out. We can't just keep taxing our population. We will wipe us out. This is a call to order your life, our lives. I used to think busyness was a sign of importance and success and that rest was a reward for the successful. I read a little bit of a message from Pope Francis back in 2021 after he had been uh, hospitalized. He had scheduled a surgery and he stayed in the hospital after the surgery and it was his address to the first public address when he came out after the surgery. And he said in his public address, let us beware brothers and sisters of efficiency. Like the Lord who says, remember the Sabbath day. And keep it holy. Because the Lord rested. And created rest and called it holy. It's a day of cessation. Blessed by God's own rest. Rest is written into the very nature of things. Dale Patrick says the Sabbath is separate From the other six days, it's a sanctuary of time. The psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. How much better off are we when we know and keep a Sabbath rest? Not as a burden, but as a gift. Tim Keller is also a popular modern day theologian. May he rest in peace. But I'll never forget the time I heard Tim Keller talking about Sabbath. And he said, most of us approach that day of rest like we're a baseball player who has hit the ball to the fence and we're racing around the bases and we're just running for home as fast as we can and we slide in with the very last bit of 
life and breath and energy that we have into the Sabbath day. <sighs> now we got nothing. On the day that we're to keep holy and spend with the Lord. And this is where he got me. He said, what if you just thought about your life and your rhythm and your week differently? What if your week started on Sunday instead of ended on Sunday? I don't know if practically if you do anything different. Maybe you would, but you know what I mean? What if you started your life from a place of rest with the Lord? Of being with God, not working at whatever else and the things that are piling up. What if you just started from a place of rest? Spend some time with God. And then get up to the plate. Not keeping a Sabbath as a part of the rhythm of our lives just breeds chaos. Things start to feel out of control. We're running and running. We don't know what to do next. We abuse ourselves and others. We enslave other people and call it good. We lose who we are as the people of God. One of the other things that Pope Francis says is, if we learn to truly rest, we become capable of true compassion. It's out of that place of rest and resting in the presence of the Lord that we're able to recalibrate prioritize, order what matters to us and how we want to be and live rather than just continuing to run and run and run. Carolyn, I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but thank you for your permission. Um, I mentioned a few weeks ago that I was going to be preaching on Sabbath today, and Carolyn Johnston showed me a couple of pages out of her study Bible where somebody had written a, a devotion about Sabbath and rest. And um, it was a really neat exercise that that author recommended. And so I'm just going to share it with everybody. And if you want to know more about it, Carolyn Johnston's right over here. You're welcome to just line up. She's the one that laughed when I said that. Um, Self-identified. But, but it was a neat exercise. The, the author said, um, make a list of everything you have to do. Everything you got to get done, make a list. However many pages you need or however small you need to write. And then make another list of all the stuff that you would like to do if all of that was done. What would be on that list? Would a nap be on that list for anybody? A book? A walk? Be beside some moving water somewhere or a conversation with a friend or a cup of coffee. Like, oh. And so what the author said is to, to experience that Sabbath rest, yeah, you got that list and you do need to get to it, but give yourself some space and time and do some of these things. And to do them with the Lord, to be present with God. To be mindful 
be considering what God might be showing up right in that moment of rest for you, for your soul, so that you could then live out of that and do all the rest of all the stuff that we all have to do. And I got to tell you, on Father's Day, that feels like a good message. Not because dads are looking to head to a recliner somewhere and watch the U.S. Open. But particularly in the biblical sense, in the time that the scriptures were written, fathers were the heads of the household, and they, they ran the family business, if you will. They ordered the life of their family and, in a lot of ways, their communities. So I would just say on Father's Day, for anybody who's in charge, if you are responsible in your household or at your place of business or for children or whatever, if, you're, if you have a role in a position of leadership, here's a call to order your life and the lives of the people that you have influence over. Whether it be by policy or by example. That we would order our lives in such a way to have God in the center first and to be at rest with the Lord and then live from there. Turn it off. Put it down. It'll be okay. We don't always have to make the most of our time. Which is one of the mysteries of our faith. And when we'll live with that rhythm, God will meet us there. Which is also what happens when we share in the communion meal. We come to this table regularly as a way to order our lives around the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ who died so that we could live. This is our reminder This is our life giver to nourish us so that we can live our lives and order them the way God has called us and created us to do. So today we're going to share in communion. In just a little bit, I'll ask the people who are going to help me to come up. I'll serve them. They'll take their places. And then you'll be invited to come. The ushers will escort you forward in an orderly fashion. We share in communion by intinction, which means somebody will break off a piece of the bread give it to you and you dip it in the cup of juice and in that way receive the body and blood of Christ for yourself. The altar rail will be open. After you receive communion, you, you may want to spend a minute here with the Lord. Maybe a restful moment. And of course, this table is open not just to members of this church. You don't have to be a member of Shambly Methodist or any church for that matter. This is the Lord's table and is open to anybody who would come looking for Jesus. So I want to ask you if you'd join me now in our communion.